I invite you to stand together as we join in the reading of God's Holy Word. This morning we will be reading from John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. Would you join me as we share in God's Word? Jesus was deeply disturbed again when he came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone covered the entrance. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead four days. Jesus replied, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? So they removed the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Having said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his feet bound and his hands tied, and his face covered with a cloth. Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Please be seated. And uh, we provided that outline uh, for you to to follow along as we look at God's Word together. There are two miracles in this scripture. The first miracle is rather obvious. The other is not obvious. Now, the obvious miracle is a resuscitated body. Lazarus has died. He's been dead for four days. Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come and do what he can. Jesus arrives. Jesus demonstrates his power. He brings that dead body of Lazarus back to life. That's the obvious miracle. The other miracle is not nearly as obvious, but I would suggest to you that in the scope of things, it is ultimately way, way more important. The other miracle is this. It's the miracle of a new life. You see, it wasn't just Lazarus' body that was resurrected that day. His heart and his spirit and his perspective on life, his life itself, was resurrected. And there was no way that he could possibly ever look at life the same way. Again, it was different. It was better. How could it not be? I mean, when Lazarus rose and was given this opportunity for new life, don't you know that for him, for that day on, the sky was bluer than ever before? Food was sweeter and tastier and more filling than ever before. He felt more deeply. He loved more intimately. Uh, He had a whole new perspective on his life. He treasured each and every day. You know that he just had to have a different perspective on life. Jesus did more than raise a body from the dead. He gave Lazarus a whole new life. And I would suggest that that is the greater of the two. Years ago, an author by the name of Don Piper 
wrote a book that many of you have heard about or read called 90 Minutes in Heaven. He was in a, an automobile accident, a fatal accident, and he was taken to the hospital and he died on the operating table. And according to him, for those 90 minutes, he was escorted to heaven. The medical team brought his body back to life. And as a result of that experience of coming back, he he wrote this. Since my accident, I felt more intensely and deeply than ever before. Those 90 minutes in heaven left such an impression on me that I can never be the same person I was. I can never again be totally content here because I live with anticipation of what I know is to come. You see, for him, that experience made his life richer and more meaningful and more fulfilled than ever before. But also, he also now lives with an anticipation of eternity because he's seen it. You see, he experienced the other miracle. What about you? See, the reality is that most of us will never experience the obvious miracle. Most of us will never die and our body be resuscitated. And I have very few people ask me to pray for that. I've never had anybody say, Stuart, would you please pray that when I die, my physical body will be resuscitated. That's a very rare miracle and one most of us will never experience. Many of us, however, need that other miracle of new life. A life with greater hope. A life with greater meaning and power and clarity. A life that is whole. I have people asking me to pray for that every day. Stuart, pray for my life to be better. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my relationship. Pray for me to have a sense of God's forgiveness. Pray for my capacity to to live as a follower of Jesus. You see, some of us have bodies that are fine. But we have lives that are anything but fine. And the miracle we need is a miracle of new life. If that's you, in any degree, then this story has profound relevance. And I hope that you'll hear God's word and truth in the midst of it. Christ can accomplish this other miracle of life in you if you are willing to cooperate with his work. And interestingly enough, the process that Christ uses to perform the other miracle 
is the same process that we see Jesus using in the obvious miracle. Consider the story. In order for Christ to work in you a a miracle of new life, if that's what you're needing, and many of us are, the first thing that has to happen is this. Barriers need to be removed. Barriers need to be removed. When Jesus arrives at the scene, he sees that a huge stone, a barrier, has been rolled in front of the tomb. That was the way it was done at that time. And Jesus, his very first thing, he says to them, remove the stone. Why? He's wanting to remove anything that keeps him from having direct access to Lazarus. For Christ to do the other miracle in us, the first work is this. He asks that any barrier between he and us be removed so that he can have direct access into our heart. The reason that so often some of us don't experience new life that God wants for us, the empowered life that God wants for us, the grace-filled life that God wants for us, is because there are barriers that we have erected that limit his access that have to be removed. What are some of those barriers? Think about these, for example, schedules. Some of us like to say, well, I'm so busy, I'm so important, there's so many things I have to do, there's so many responsibilities I have that I really don't have time in my schedule to devote to to worship or pursuit of a relationship with God. My schedule just simply does not permit that. And so that barrier we erect, and it keeps Christ from having unfettered access into our heart because we put it up. Think about the barrier of pride. I know a lot of people uh, have the attitude that says, you know, I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I'm sophisticated, uh, I am perfectly capable of managing, organizing, uh, administering my life. I don't need some God. I don't need Christ. I don't need some church. I don't need any belief system. I am smart enough and wise enough to do that myself. And so that pride becomes a barrier that stands between Christ and that person's heart. There's the barrier of addiction. So many, so many people today are in bondage to some addiction to either drugs or alcohol or pornography or some substance, something that, that dominates and controls their hearts and their lives in a negative way. And because that thing, those things are allowed to stay there, it's a barrier that keeps Christ from having unfettered access into that person's heart. One of the barriers that we often experience in the church, and that a lot of us as church folk are more prone to, is the barrier of what we could call complacency. And we say to ourselves, look, I'm a good Christian person, I worship on a regular basis, 
Uh, I pray on a regular basis. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with where I am in my relationship with God. And that complacency causes us to deny the reality that maybe there's areas where we could grow. That maybe there are areas where our spiritual life and our commitments could go deeper. And so we fail to experience the miraculous work of new life that God could accomplish in us because we put this barrier of complacency up that keeps Christ from having unfettered access into our heart. The first order of business for you and I to experience the other miracle is for barriers to be removed. And so I'd ask you this morning, are there barriers that you've erected? Are there barriers in your life that are keeping Christ from unfettered access into your heart? If you desire change, if you desire the miracle of new life, that barrier has got to be removed. And then secondly, this is a part of the process. Belief has to be restored. Belief has to be restored. Look back at the story. Jesus shows up. He assesses the situation. And he says to them, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see God's glory? You see, new life, the possibility of a life going from brokenness to health and vitality, growing from confusion to clarity, uh, the transformed life of grace and fulfillment and joy that God can accomplish in you requires believing in the ability of Christ to accomplish that and then pouring yourself into that belief. One of the gifts I received for Christmas, I actually only received it yesterday because it was about on back order. Uh, Becky got me for Christmas the Amazon Echo. And uh, I, so last night I was trying to download all of that and, and uh, trying to ask it questions, you know. And So this morning on my way to church, I decided to test it. I said, Alexa. Do you have some word of hope for me today? And you know what the answer I got back? I'm sorry, I do not understand the question. And I'm not surprised. Because there's only one source of hope that is real and lasting and life-changing, and that is the hope that I, that I find in, in God. And I have to believe in God's power to do that. You see... If you believe that Christ can help you conquer an addiction, there's a high likelihood that it's going to happen. If you don't believe Christ has the power to heal your addiction, then there's a a strong likelihood it's not going to happen. If you believe that Christ can heal your broken marriage and make it into a thing of beauty, then it's far more likely that that's going to happen. If you don't believe that Christ has the ability 
to heal a broken marriage, then don't even bother because it's probably not going to happen. You see, there always has been and there always will be a connection between the belief of the person and the power and the work of Christ. Christ wants to work. Christ wants to deliver. Christ wants to transform your life. But the other side of that equation is belief that he can do it has to be there. If you go back in the, sometime this afternoon, take a look at Mark chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. You'll recognize this is a passage where Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. And uh, people who, who knew him doubted his power. They doubted his, his uh, identity as the Son of God. They were skeptical. And so the passage says, verses 5 and 6, he could do no deed of power there except lay hands on a few people and cure them. And he was amazed at their disbelief. You see, he was able to cure a couple of physical ailments, but the harder work, the harder work of life transformation, he couldn't do. Why? Because of the lack of belief on the part of people. And so he says, in this situation... Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, the reason that so often we don't experience this other miracle of new life, the reason we don't see God working very often, is because we choose to turn that around. We live this way. I'll believe it when I see it. But Jesus says, no, you'll see it when you believe it. You see, God is not indifferent to our belief and our trust in him. He's moved by it. He's touched by it. And his response when he sees it is to reveal his glory. And so... If you're sincere, if you need a, a, a miracle of, of new life, uh, uh, greater joy, greater fulfillment, greater clarity in the midst of your confusion or your brokenness, whatever it is, if, if you're desiring that, God's just waiting on you to believe in his capacity to do that. And then thirdly, we see the process here in this story. It's lived out in the other miracle as well. It's this. Baggage. Don't you like it how they all start with a B? That just happened. That way. Baggage has to be relinquished. Look at the story. Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb. Now, he's still in his burial clothes. Okay, He's wrapped up in all this smelly, ugly, bloody wrapping. And Jesus says, untie him and let him go. You see, those aren't clothes that are fitting 
for a man who's alive. Get rid of those old rags and that baggage. Untie him and let him go. How many of you, if you lost 50 pounds in the next couple of months, would keep wearing the clothes that no longer fit you? I doubt any of you would. You'd probably get rid of them. What you do for your body, you need to do for your soul. If Christ has delivered you and brought you to a place of deeper life and joy and fulfillment, if God has worked this miracle in you of a new life, given you power over an addiction, given you a renewed relationship in your marriage, if you and I have discovered new life in Christ, don't keep the old stuff around. It doesn't fit you anymore. You can't wear the old clothes and the rags and the old baggage. It's got to go. In other words, if Christ has rescued your marriage and breathed joy and intimacy and promise into it, don't keep looking back and repeating the behaviors that got the marriage in trouble in the first place. That baggage has got to go. If Christ has delivered you from an addiction, don't return to the old neighborhood and don't hang out with the old crowd that used to support those destructive behaviors. If Christ has delivered you from an addiction to pornography, don't keep an adult channel on your TV subscription, your cable subscription. Get rid of it. Old baggage has got to be set aside. If Christ has lifted you from depression and despair and infused you with his love and his forgiveness and his spirit, don't undermine that miracle by returning to the old places and things that try to bind you and harm you. You see, what, what happens when you turn and you walk away from that old baggage, you discover a life in Christ that is more meaningful and purposeful and that is sustainable. Christ says to Lazarus, or to the crowd there, unbind him and let him go. Let him get on with his new life. And that's exactly what Christ wants to say to you and to me and to any of us who need for life to be different. We need life to be more than it is. You know what? For all we know, Lazarus, a few years later, he died again. I mean, he's human like the rest of us. His body died again, and Jesus didn't resuscitate him this time. 
But those years in between, when he was granted that other miracle, when he was given the opportunity to live a life at a completely different level than before, that miracle was far more important than the fact that his body started to breathe again. Because the life he lived was a life that was full. A life more fully in touch with the beauty of life, the glory of God. And I suspect his worship was richer. His relationships were richer. Everything about his life was richer and more powerful. And then when he did die, there was probably not a worry in his heart. Because he then inherited the eternity for which had been prepared for him. I doubt there are any of us who are longing today for our body to be resuscitated when we die. Maybe you do. But I know there are tens of thousands of people in Noonan and in this church who wake up every morning thinking, man, when is life going to get better? When am I going to get beyond this struggle? When am I going to be beyond this hurt? When is my life going to be something that I look actually forward to living? For those folks out there and in here, God's just waiting to do that miracle in you. But first, barriers have got to be removed. Belief has to be restored. And old baggage has got to be laid aside. And then you just watch how God works and accomplishes in you more than anyone or anything else can. Let's pray together. God, I wish we could go back and talk with and interview the people who knew Lazarus after that day. They probably said, Lazarus, man, you are different. You're happier than ever before. You have a power that I've never seen in you before. Something amazing has happened in you. God, we thank you that that day you raised Lazarus' body. God, sometimes that reality gets in the way of us understanding and sensing something far more important. That's how his life was giving you power and fulfillment and joy as a result of your work. Oh God, we need that. And we pray. 
that maybe something we say or do today will let you know that we desire that work in us. In the name and spirit of Christ we pray. Amen.